kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And welcome to another exciting episode of Skywatchers Radio, right here, brought to you live by the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. I am one of the dual co-hosts on this show, Angel, and my co-host, Alan, is over there. Alan, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm having an amazingly amazing evening tonight. I am nice. I it's am amazing. conscious. I was driving, actually, on the turnpike tonight with not many lights out, so I could see the stars, and it was a wonderful view. Well, that sounds romantic. You know, Valentine's Day is around the corner right now. And for those of you who are not interbreeding with aliens, please find something a little bit more local. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly where to go with that. <laughs> you know how I am. To, you know, I, I've got my groove with you. So I'm Ladies gonna, and gentlemen, I'm, if you're interbreeding with aliens, you have something else going on that we need to talk about, please call in. In fact, you can do it by calling in at 786-245-8127. We are live, and actually we're joined right now on the phone here by somebody very special, one of the co-hosts on Future Theater, Miss Nancy Burns, yourself, Nancy, how you doing? Welcome to Skywatchers. One of the co-hosts, yes. The other co-host is sleeping. (laughs) Knocked out, huh? So I, uh, yeah, I knocked him out and I took took the role. I I wanted to get on the radio again because I miss you, Angel. Of course. Because we were on the radio last night together. Exactly. And Alan Alan and I have never met. We have just um, discovered that. We thought yes, we had. but we we are one degree of separation, which is your husband. So no, no, no it would be angel no such as thing well. in this community as six. And me? What? What am I like? Chop liver? You forget me? <laughs> ah, you don't count. It's oh, terrible. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, if it wasn't for Alan over here, and I'll give him his credit where credit is due. If it wasn't for Alan over here, I would have never been able to interview Travis Walton, which was like a dream interview for me. Yeah. So, I, like I said here once before, thank you for that. But now, give well, me some credit, man. Okay, yeah. you're right. You're right. You know, I get to meet Nancy, and she's a great and amazing person. There Obviously, you go. Uh, the Mar, you know, the Martell family was great to talk to and listen to as well. Too the one that's left, the third. Um, you know, and we've had some great times, and we're going to continue having great times talking to people and looking well, at Alan, their where? views. And I am just scared that the bat squatch is going to get me if I don't continue doing the show. <laughs> well, what uh, what highway were you driving down when you said you were driving that highway tonight? I was driving down uh, the Sawgrass Expressway in South Florida, and uh, the. Um, 
the the Florida Turnpike as well too, and there are parts of it where there are no lights whatsoever, wow. and nice. there's no like light pollution and. It's ambient lighting, and I'll tell you, it's beautiful. But it's not as good as driving across I-10 in either Texas or Arizona. Because I'll tell you, you could actually even see the spirals of the media, of the of wow. the uh, galaxy. What kind of what kind of car are you driving? It depends on the day of the week. Uh, wow. You know, either I'm taking the '65 Mustang out for a spin, or I'm in a cargo van coming from show to show, which is what I do on the weekends. Mm-hmm. A Mustang. Yeah, 65. So it's almost that 50-year anniversary. God, wow. that, makes, that makes that car older than me. Wow, that's scary. Yeah. Well, see, Angel, uh, back in the day, ca- cars were in beautiful colors. They were in turquoises and yellows and, you know, beautiful. You could see pink cars on the road. Nowadays, every, every car is the same exact color. It's some sort of Every steel. car looks like a Toyota now to me. Have you noticed that? Well, they all look like sneakers to me. You know, this, or that, it, yeah. I'm just going to ask you, where do you see the shoelaces? Well, you know, you know the you know the snub the snub nosed. It, it's supposed to look aerodynamic, but to my eyes, the old Chevys from like say '56, '57, they looked aerodynamic okay. to me. You know, the kind of the fins and stuff. Yeah, it's very rocket shippy. Well, we had so you know, I always it's thought cars word. were going to get really, really more and more beautiful, and they just. What year did they start getting all scrunched? When they actually learned about this thing called aerodynamics. Eh. Yeah. Eh. That's what eh. it was, yeah. Eh. But you know what? She, she's got a point. There is some to an old classic automobile, mm. especially an old American classic car. I've seen a few on the road recently, uh, you know, restored and um, just by pure coincidence, we were even talking about this, but I've actually seen a couple in the last couple of months really? driving around. And uh, beautiful 1950 Chevys, you know, some people around here re- love restoring cars. Uh, well, yeah, it depends on the Miami, state, too. So. Uh, some in Miami, states won't, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. states won't let you drive an old car. You have to, mm, only certain yeah. states let you drive it. So that's kind of, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'll tell you this. I actually saw a almost identical 1960s Batmobile the other week at a comic book. Oh, that wow. See that? That's so, very nice. You want to go classic? We could really go classic. And they also had a Green Hornet car as well, too. We, you know cr- uh, yeah, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to mention, I know Burt Ward as a person. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Very, Robin. very cool. Very, very yeah. You know, I was going to say, you know what's crazy about the uh, the old classic Batmobile from the TV series? doesn't matter what car came after that, whether it's the mm-hmm. 89 Batman yep. from yep. the movie or even the tank from uh, the I Nolan know. trilogy. That is still like the coolest Batmobile. God, do they actually call it the Nolan trilogy? Really? Yeah, it's called the <laughs> Nolan trilogy, yes. That's the, that's the name. It's the that or the Dark Knight trilogy. Well, Alan, didn't you hear the Zod Rider show that was on PSN just before? Not tonight. No. My no, goodness, no. I'm oh, telling man. you, this they they go deep. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think you're kind of a, a, a aficionado of comic books or or superheroes, yeah. don't don't listen to those guys. Those guys are crazy. <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah. well, no. See, uh, the one you're ta- you're listening to the X Men show, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. No. That. See. That's Scorpion. Uh, Scorpio Moon and uh, his co-host Johnny Alpha. They really like are like yeah. obsessed with the whole X Men thing. Uh, Zod Rider does the show right after that, which is the Zod Rider show, and then. Well, he joined in. Show. I think. I think what I'm. What I'm. He's. He joins it on the chat. And so yeah, obviously he he's chat, as yeah. nerdy as the other two of them. Jeez. Well, apparently everybody's joining in on everybody's show tonight. Because host it's, the host, it's a host, baby. Fest. 
<laughs> really? Ooh, that would be ooh, that would be an interesting convention to go to. Live right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio, brought to you live by Mr. Keith Rowland and myself. And if you guys want to call in and join in the conversation or the fun, please do so. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. You can find us on Skype by looking up PSN Radio and Dark Matter Radio Network. Keith Rowland will patch you in, and we could always say, Mr. Keith Rowland just got a call for us. Caller, you're on the air. I'd love to say that one day. So please, make that happen for us. Well, Nancy, one of the reasons, by the way, we dragged you in tonight, because I know you and Bill are very much into the UFO realm, to say the least. Uh, We saw something really, really (laughs) interesting. That's an understatement there, Alan, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I tried not to say that with sarcasm, but I and I hope I came off without you know the sarcasm. No, yeah, it came off pretty thick. Actually, you were laying it off. Alan, uh, I don't yeah. think you can come. I don't think you can speak without sarcasm. I think. Wow, you, I, I thought that was going to go a whole different I direction. Think you're, yeah, second, I think Alan. you're sort of a hipster type. I have never met you, but you do seem to be on the cutting edge. So yeah, I think a little sarcasm is probably in order. Okay, fine. Uh, you're heavily, heavily into, you know, the UFO realm, um, <clears throat> you know, and something popped up on the Internet recently. Someone passed on to me as a photo from the JPL lab, uh, from the rover, uh, that somehow has seemed to have gotten through the um, Photoshop people mm-hmm. actually at the labs over there. And I wanted you and Bill's opinion on it, even though he's snoring right now. It's that little dark triangular thing. No, 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 no. No, this, no, this is, is much this seems, more faker than that. Yeah, right? this is much, much yeah. more interesting and bigger than this. This looks like a tilted Egyptian idol, large something or other, that seems to have broken off. And you could actually see not just the – well, actually, I'm not even going to say anything about it. I'm going to let Angel – Post it not just to the chat room, but to you on Skype as well, too. And I want your opinion on it. Because now, Angel thinks it's me just matrixing and paradilia. Paradoia, yeah. Did I pronounce it right? Paradoia? That's a good I, word. I, I say paradoia, but I think it's close. It, it, means, it means when you can see faces in the knots in your knotty pine you know, uh, desk, you can see faces in the wood. Right, you know, exactly. Human faces, you know. Uh, but yet... But yet, and believe me, that's a real problem for people. We get a lot of people, you know, seeing faces in the carpet, faces in the way the curtains are. So that, that's actually, I almost think that's um, exactly a worry. But, but, but you don't think this is that? Uh, no, and I'm going to ask for your opinion on it because I'm about to cut and paste it to you. Well, and I okay. hope Angel. Here's the argument. And by the way, I've already posted it on our Facebook account. If anybody wants to check that out, I know, you cannot face- drag. I'm telling you, Angel. I I apologize in advance, and I bet Alan does too. We are just not keeping up our end. Facebook-wise. <laughs> well, check this out. For all the <laughs> listeners out there, if you want to look at the picture that Alan is talking about, go to facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. And it's posted right now on there. Uh, <clears throat> the argument is that Alan is trying to make, if you look at the picture, there's uh, different slideshows that show a mirror image. A mirror image. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But... That could happen so easily with something in nature, and it doesn't even look like a person. It looks kind of like an ape. No, no, no. It does have a really great or alien. Human yeah, alien-ish. Yeah, I get it, but I mean that could so easily just be some rocks that well, accidentally make that shape. You know, you're saying it looks like okay. The first slide shows it in the sand. 
Right. The second slide actually shows where exactly in part of the where it is in respect of to where the rover was. And the third one is actually someone actually took it, put it in the correct position if you were looking vertically, and on the bottom right-hand corner actually did a mirror image. Mm-hmm. Now, you tell me, after looking at that, tell me it's, tell me it's not paradilia. Tell me it's not my imagination. This might be a real deal found image. Well, I'll tell you why it could be paradoia or delia, whatever. Thank you. We, we, should lo- we should look it up. But here's why, Alan. Here's the n- number one thing you want to worry about. There's no, there doesn't look to be any um, straight edges of any kind that would be machined. Th- that would be the first thing you'd look for, for something but- to be non-erosion. I disagree, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, all the sculptors used chisels, and they never truly had straight lines. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You Thanks. know, Because <laughs> as I was even saying it, because, but here's the thing. Somewhere in that mass of rocks where it is, there ought to be something that has a sharp... Uh, well, right you know, next like to these, it, you could actually uh, see a column. I see that. I see that. I knew you were going to say that, too. <laughs> uh, I, I, I swear, are you sure you're on the right show? You might be needing to go I mean, the, the headgear kind of even looks like a reptilian head, if you look if at the top If it were me, and I were looking at this for, am I going to put this on the cover of the magazine, for example? And the magazine has to change its name now, and I'll... Um, Angel will be the very first um, in radio to know about it. And um, anyway, But if Spoilers. I were to put this on the cover... I would probably personally say no because it does look a little bit like one's iman- imagination could take take and and you've got that shadow or well have you gotten yeah. to the third slide where they yeah. actually mirror well, image okay them? I okay I have been I've been tricked a lot by people doing the whole mirror image thing cuz almost anything symmetrical could look like a face once you do a mirror so so you know okay. I would be more interested in is that rock itself somewhat different, say, than, you know, the sand it's in? The surrounding stone, you mean? Or, yeah, or is it specifically, uh, but it does look like it's got a lot like it. I mean, for all I know, this might be the missing link photo between well, what do you think and, of, and then, What do you think personally about the face on Mars? It's exactly like that. I think that it's possible that it exists. What I find odd about the face of Mars, while there are pyramids in the region, what, the thing that I find odd about the face of Mars is that it's facing looking straight upwards. No, no, but it could have fallen over. It Just could, like this. It could, you know, fallen over, it would literally have to have fallen backwards. Sure. Well, no, like, but you know what? Actually, here's what I would argue that uh, the Nazca lines were made to be seen from the sky the same way you could say the face on Mars was made to be seen. Okay, maybe you're, you're right. I'll give you brownie points on that one. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be, I'm here all week. Or think, yeah, think of an overthrow. Think Saddam Hussein and the statue is pushed flat over. You know? Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm not going to hit that on Mars with a shoe. <laughs> Probably not, no. Well, not only that, the face on Mars was a, pretty much a, the size of a mesa, wasn't it? I don't know the exact dimensions. Don't ask me. And what do you think the size of this thing would be? Based on the perspective that we're looking at in the middle slide. And by the way, folks, if you have an opinion on this, please call in. I'm looking at something that this might actually be, you know, an image of something that might be sphinx-sized. Because if you actually look at the surrounding stones and the literally... I mean, it's definitely a large boulder. Yeah, yeah, there's some Yeah, but here's the other thing, Alan, that would be negative. If that really were part of a statue that was fallen over and broken, there'd be something else in that debris, possibly like a hand or a claw 
or something the rest else. Of the body well, right you right never know how head. small the pieces were for sand. But what I find interesting in saying that it might have been a cracked sculpture, if you look at the rock in the upper, uh, it, right next to it in the upper right hand side, you could actually see solid stone with cracks in it. Yeah. As if it was a solid piece and the whole entire thing shattered. You know, there is one. There is one thing interesting about the uh, the whole area there. It, it does kind of look like there was some sort of a big um, structure. Yeah, no, because if you do look at the, the the back, the big large back boulder, it almost looks like the torso. It looks like the torso, and it looks like a crack. Yeah. And it's literally the veins. I'll are give you that shattering. one. I'll give, I'll give I'll give you that one. The, yeah. the, the pieces on the ground kind of do look a little bit like it. But now we're, we're stretching our imagination. A okay, little I'm not bit, trying I to think, stretch the imagination, but you look. <laughs> You look at where you see what I guess we'll call it the veins right now or the cracks. It looks like a straight shear off. The mm. whole entire thing is looks like it's a straight cut off. By the way, everybody listening, uh, this is uh, Im- this image is on uh, theblackvault.com. It's also uh, if you want to check it out on our Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. Uh, post it right on there. You can see the slideshow. You can see the image we're talking about. Uh, you know, I didn't really pay attention to the background, but when you do look at the background and the surrounding area around it, it actually does sell the image a little bit more. Now, has this has been verified, Alan? Do you know with NASA and yeah, this is kind of official? Straight the link is straight out of the JPL sites. Hmm. So, yeah. this well, is it's pretty interesting. Well, have yeah. you guys it ever interviewed uh, Andy Bashago? Basiago. Basiago. No. He, calls him, yeah. he's, he wants to say Bashago like Bashago. Basiago? He said well, Bashago. He's, yeah. Well, he's been on Mars, so who am I to correct him? Well, see, but he anyway. said, you know, but, but as he developed his story, I've known him before he started his story, basically. Right. And, but as he developed it, he spent a lot of time early in, and I still have all the PDFs, where he was doing what you're saying, Alan. He was looking at these these uh, images like this, and he was seeing so much stuff in it that I don't think was really there. Okay, well, here's what I'll tell you to do. Lower down on that website, you actually have the ability to go to the high-res image oh. that actually is on the Mars JPL website. So that puts yeah, the see, whole that's thing worthwhile. in perspective. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And How I remember, click on that one? have you ever in your life um, found the original JPL uh, image where the face on Mars was? No, I haven't, but I found the uh, JPL Black Knight photos, which I found interesting. What's that? The Black Knight? Yeah. Um, that's actually supposed to be the oh, there. orbiting satellite, satellite mm-hmm. that actually right. showed up and started right. echoing things in the 1920s, just as we, just as Tesla and uh, Edison and all the other people were actually starting to beam radio waves out into space. It kept on sending things back, and it appears this thing has a counterclockwise orbit as opposed to a mm. clockwise orbit any of our satellites have. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the crazy thing. It mm. disappears for At- long periods of time and, and then it just reappears again. It's like exactly. it's, a, it's on an eclipse or um, an ellipse. It's on an elliptical kind of- orbit. And yeah. I think it uses some kind of a cloaking device for most of the time. That, so you would, you would Google so Black really Knight? Black yeah, Knight satellite? Google Black Knight satellite, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, this thing has been uh, talked about for many, many years, and yeah. there's Decades. all kind of photos. Yeah, I, I, I still think there's some kind of a cloaking device. And the time we've seen it, it's been because by accident the cloaking device has been down or something. So we've oh, that's, that's pretty freaky. Of it. It, that oh. is pretty freaky. It really is. Yeah, wow. it goes along. It, you know, it goes along with uh, the ship that supposedly was found on the moon. 
Yeah, oh, excellent. that's ridiculous. Um, hold on, hold on. Which ship are we talking about this week? Look oh at, no! This, look at this the, is an uh, Apollo mission from uh, the seventies, where they supposedly found this very long ship. I mean, this time yeah. This ship is like the size of a country. This is well, a Google, long ship. Google, uh, Mona Lisa, uh, alien Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa alien, exactly. And they yeah. found two bodies inside the ship. Supposedly, yeah. I'm saying supposedly. You know, I'm not saying this is confirmed, but supposedly. <laughs> and they videotaped it. And you, when you look at the footage, though, the thing that's crazy about it, and mind you, yeah, this could be recreated. This could be done now with other technology. I know, I know, yes. but scary. But. This is the crazy thing. There is some of the footage when you look at the entire thing where you can actually see an astronaut's face. Oh, which okay. you're gonna wait, that wait, can wait, be traced to back to one. one of the one of the astronauts in the actual ship. No, 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 so I never saw it's, that. It's very yeah. He's like flipping the camera around or something, and at one point you can see the image of his face. It's kind of crazy, but uh, the Mona Lisa alien. You can look that up on you, yeah. um, YouTube or Google or whatever, and I'm sure you'll find a ton of videos. That's a really intriguing one. If there is any truth to that. I mean, that's, uh, that's well, creepy because the they look you, human. You need to get so. an anthropologist to tell you what specially made that one weird is the way that the eyes are kind of like sewn together with right. like waxy weird sticks or something in that. Well, that you know, yeah, but you, do, do you know what the theory is on what that was? No, I sort of, yeah, tell me. The theory is that what the thing had, or the, the Mona Lisa had around the eyes and the mouth, was a communicating device that communicated with the ship so they could fly the ship. Right, right, right. Well, that's now, been um, that's something the Corso said, and I've read as a science fiction theme a lot that when we get a little further along, as you know, we can now get uh, paralyzed pilots. They can now fly their ships. Correct. Yeah. Yes, and so basically take that, extrapolate that to the nth degree, and you basically, you and your ship are one. That's right. You know, yeah. But the but the Mona Lisa thing, did you see, are you Googling that right now, Alan? Yes, as a matter of fact, I Is am. Is it freaky? I never saw the movie, though, where you see an astronaut's face. I've never seen the movie either, but I'm happily going to look for it. Well, see, um, remember there was oh, a... Oh, here it is. Uh, I found it. It's on YouTube. Absolutely. It's dated uh, December 7th of 2011, but I don't well, know how far back it goes. Remember real... there was a movie that came out? It was a terrible movie about Hangar Eight Hangar Eighteen? No, it was about this this uh Apollo eighteen, I think it was called. Oh yeah, where I don't want to spoil it for everybody. But I thought it was actually a pretty cool movie. Well uh, this was but, but see this is the thing. When this when the movie came out, I a lot of people thought those that stuff do was this, yeah. Was PR for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't. That's the crazy part. Yeah. I know the movie. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a an Alice in Wonderland deep hole. I think that that whole that whole area of googling. Can we when hear me? Start... Yeah. What? Uh oh. We've lost Alan. No, he's still there. But anyway, uh, we're actually going to go on break in a couple minutes here because we have Robert Morningstar joining us in about five minutes. Uh, he's from UFO Digest, and Nancy, guess what we're going to talk about tonight? What's that? The JFK assassination and are UFOs and aliens responsible for the murder of President JFK? Wow, I never heard that before. Huh? Really? Well, I, you should probably you should probably put me on uh, mute, correct? Because you know. Oh, you yeah. can totally stay on the whole show if you want. I mean, that'd be that'd be epic. It's hard for me to keep my mouth shut. That's the problem. Well, then you can mute your, you can mute yourself, <laughs> lady. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to be mostly quiet, though. There you go. Okay. And I don't know, I, I know Alan was having some kind of a 
tech issue earlier. Hopefully it fixes itself and we get him He must be psychic. That's probably why he said he was going to get some coverage tonight in case he had to flip in and out. Exactly. Well, you, you know, know, he he, you never know, he might be psychic. Absolutely right. Uh, one thing I did want to go over before we we went on break, um, there is going to be a, a Skywatch uh, taking place pretty soon, uh, and this is going to be uh, done at the International UFO Congress. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Miss Nancy Burns. Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, ben uh, Hansen and the Night Optics USA are going to host the Skywatch of the International uh, International UFO Congress. In fact, I wanted just to, uh, to talk about this real quick so everybody who is in the area might want to take a you know take a trip out there. It's going to be on February fourteenth, and it's going to be at the twenty uh, third annual International UFO Congress. Like I said, and it says here, Night Optics USA will be providing some of their uh, best military grade technology for the watch, an assortment of of Googles will be available for our participants goggles, to try out. Goggles. Go- yeah, and I said Googles, <laughs> then. Goggles are going to be available for our participants to try out, and uh, as well as uh, scopes connected to monitors uh, for viewing. So they're going all out on this thing. They'll be also, though, they're also going to have full spectrum IR and UV cameras and uh, thermal imaging uh, set up. Where's so it's going to be really be cool. Located. Uh, well, I'll tell you right now, okay. it's going to be in Fort McDowell Resort. The Fort McDowell Resort says here. Um, see if I can get an exact address, because I saw it earlier, and with all okay, the excitement what, with this picture with Alan, I kind of lost what's, track What of, state is that? It's going to be out in Arizona. It's uh, The International UFO Congress is an Arizona-based organization cool. uh, dedicated uh, to the uh, dissemination of information related to many areas in ufology, like the rest of us. Right, right and stuff. they're going to give you Googles. They're going to give me Googles, and, and when they get my Googles on, <laughs> we'll get Alan back on. Hold on, he'll so join cool. us here in a second. Hey, but, my uh, apologies. Yeah, no, it's all right. But anyway, uh, just uh, letting everybody know about this uh, event. Uh, so if you're out in that area, wherever that area is, we're going to try to find out. Because this is a great article, and it doesn't specify where it's going to be. That's great. Well, what but I meant it's, was, uh, I wonder associated if they're gonna by be... the Sci-Fi Network, so that's cool. Well, I hope they're going to take you to some place really where the sky is very night clear, and you're up mm-hmm. on a mountain or something. That'll be nice. That'd be cool. No. Um, and it is going to be in Arizona. It says it right here. Yeah, it's going to be out in Arizona. So if you're in the Arizona area and you're listening in and you want to participate on a Skywatch, check that out. Go to openminds.tv uh, and check out that article by Ben Hansen. And uh, it's, again, February 14th, a few days away. So if you're listening and you want to join up, check that out. I'm going to post that link also on our Facebook account. So anybody who uh, is too lazy to go to openminds.tv and look for themselves, I'll make it easy for you. Just go to our Facebook account and it'll be right there to look at. Alright, I'll tell you this. It does look interesting with the night vision goggles, but I'm wondering Googles. What what generation (laughs) of night vision we're using? First, second, third, or fourth generation? And does that actually affect what you're able to see? Well, you don't really necessarily want to. You, you don't necessarily need night vision if you're looking at a clear sky with a lot of other people, and you all kind of get in the right vibe. You'll see something weird. I've, I, I, I think you can guarantee it. We'll see angel acting like an angel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I wonder if we, if you wear Google Glass, it might be able to be identified. Yeah. Then, then, they, then they beam be you up. As, yeah. as, and they beam you up and throw you out the back of the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, I finally figured out why it's always people in the middle of the country that were in the trailer park that are saying that they were abducted by aliens. I finally yeah. figured it out. You know what? Oh, please do share. Okay. It, it, it's like we go fishing. And right. when we're fishing, the little ones, we throw back. 
um, it's the same thing. I, There's an intelligence. That thing. makes no sense to me. But we go no, ahead. No, no, no. They abduct them. They test them, or it's not up to. Oh, them. I get it. They the dummies go back. back. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. A, you know that. Uh, tell me that doesn't make sense. I hope it, you're. I hope you're does. wrong because I'd hate to be. The, I'd hate to be thinking they don't throw some of them back. Well, mm, there's, yeah. there's that. Yeah. There's well, a lot of people go. Sorry, I'm ranting. There's enough people that go missing uh, from different parts of the country um, and of the world that we just can't dismiss this one. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Actually. Mm-hmm. Stole um, the words right out of my mouth. Sorry about that. See, it's she okay. was being psychic earlier. <laughs> I'm being psychic now. So there. Ha ha. By the ha, way, ha. are we also going to talk about the SSP website as well, too, since we were talking about events? Um, you want to bring that up? Sure. Okay. We actually have someone on. We have about two minutes, so go for it. We actually have someone on uh, on Facebook himself talking about the Secret Space Program event that's coming up in the extremely near f- future somewhere in California. Now, what I ah. find out is, is this guy going to talk about that guy that was the hacker um, that is that supposedly hacked into uh, FBI files and government files and got the list of the non-terrestrial officers. You're talking about what's-his-face, wow. that kid. Right. Yeah, but to your, Alan, real quick. Uh, you're going to get to ask that gentleman in a few minutes because you're talking about Mr. Robert Morningstar, the guy who's going to be on in a oh, few yeah. minutes. Oh, so, guys, sit back, relax. You're going to be back on Skywatchers Radio on the other side with Robert Morningstar. Excellent. We'll be right back. Skywatchers Radio. Uh oh. We'll be back. Call in if you want to talk to him. 786 245 8127. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. Ronnie McMullen here for Life Change Tea. Healthcare is a problem, whether you're for or against Obamacare. That's a mess. My question is, who do you trust? Do you want to be told what to do, or do you want to make your own decision? My opinion, preventative maintenance. Keeping your colon clean is preventative maintenance. A little exercise, a balanced diet, and drinking Life Change Tea. It tastes great, and it helps with constipation, high cholesterol, liver problems, acid reflux, and much, much more. And with the holiday season upon us, you can get some extra tea for free. Don't wait for Obama. Make your own decision. Order now. Call us at 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Or you can log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Ridding yourself of harmful toxins is truly preventative maintenance. Getthetea.com. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. All systems are functional. And get past the rain to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the jackal's head. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the jackal's head. The biggest trick the jackal ever pulled was to convince the world <laughs> that he doesn't exist. <laughs>
All right, everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio. Sorry for a little musical delay we had there. Uh, we're going to have Robert Morningstar in a couple minutes. He's going to call in. He's having, I guess, uh, I don't know, an issue, but uh, he'll be with us shortly. But we still have Nancy Burns on the line. And yes. uh, Nancy Burns, of course, of Future Theater yes. with Mr. Bill Burns. And how's Bill doing? these days. Well, it's a Bill, long time since I speak, I speak to this man. You know, well, Bill was really sick over the weekend because he had an attack. I know this sounds crazy. sounds like old people talk, but oh, I've boy. never heard of this in the modern era. He had a, an attack of gout, G-O-U-T, and it's something to do with um, little, your, and you know people who get kidney stones? I bet they have gout because it's got to do with uric acid getting into your joints. And it used to be called the rich man's disease because only people who could afford rich food, you know, creamy and oily food, would get it. So there. So, yeah. So it was kind of a bit, you know, it was a bit touch and go. We had a kind of like, I had to really baby him because he couldn't move his arm. He's getting carpal tunnel syndrome from, um, you know, his cell phone, stuff like that. That's not really? real. That's not good it's for... not joyful talk. No, not really, no. Oh, no, look I'm... at that. It's here to save the day is Robert Morningstar. Yeah. Robert Morningstar, <laughs> welcome to Skywatchers Radio. Yeah. We're <laughs> that close from having a meltdown here on air. How you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm fine. Sorry for the, uh, the, the glitch. I, I've been sitting here waiting for the call for the longest time and then just checked your mail. So here I am. Where do there we you go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Listen, Robert, we have, uh, like you know, my co-host Alan on the line, and uh, also now we have uh, the co-host of Future Theater, Miss Nancy Burns, on the line with us. Hi, Robert. Oh, hi, nice to talk to all of you. Nancy, good to make contact. Indeed. I've never talked to you. I know, but I've had uh, emails with you, and uh, Bill is uh, is a big uh, big person in, in my in my UFO file. Well, you're a big person in mine, so this should be exciting. I think you have an amazing theory for tonight. Well, tell me. If you're not sure, there's a problem here. Oh, he, he knows. He knows. We're going to talk tonight, of course, uh, about the John F. Kennedy assassination and the connection uh, to UFOs. And uh, was he killed because he was going to spill the beans on oh. Roswell? Oh, that other issues. Big part, yes. Uh, you see, I didn't. I was hoping to hear the beginning of the show, but uh, there had been electronic glitches all over, and I wasn't able to listen to the into the uh, opening. So I wanted to catch up on where you got, where you were going. So let's well, just start. Um, yeah, the JFK assassination had a lot to do with UFOs. Let, let's start with that because you know, as of course the, the media knows, uh, the media has told us for years that oh, it was just one guy, it was Oswald, and that's it. No, it was nobody else. Uh, what are some of the connections to to the whole Roswell incident that uh, that you think got Kennedy killed? Well, you see, once Roswell uh, unfolded, the Roswell posed a threat to many things besides national security. Uh, one of the greatest threats that Roswell poses even to this day is that it undermines uh, science as it's been taught to us and in particular uh, the Darwinian theory of evolution. Um, so the threat it posed to establish science is one of the greatest reasons for uh, sealing the file. The other is the threat uh, that they perceived uh, to organize religions. 
I often say on uh, on radio when I speak on this top subject that people say religion. I like to remind people that regardless of what you think about religion, religion is the glue that holds societies together. The Islamic world is held mm-hmm. together by a glue called the Ummah, their idea of the Islamic group soul. The Christians believe in the mystical body of Christ, um, and, and so on. Every There is this belief, and it's religion, regardless of the dogma, with a particular, you know, tweak on their view of God, Godhead, or gods, like the Buddhists uh, have many, many concepts of God. Regardless, those structures are part of what hold societies uh, in a stable condition. And Roswell, the existence of extraterrestrials, and the, pardon the expression, the humiliation to scientists who have thought that they are the the uh, crown of creation, the pinnacle of intelligence in the universe, to be confronted with an intelligence that is so far advanced of us that, uh, you know, uh, it boggles the mind. Those were threats, psychological threats, and led specifically to the formation within the CIA of something called the Psychological Strategy Board. That's where all of this stuff began and continues to this day, molting from one thing into another, into another, into another, including the assassination apparatus, which was part of keeping the world mind focused on what they wanted it to be focused on, and that is definitely not UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligence, ET intervention in human affairs. How how close do you think, though, Robert, that Kennedy was to actually uh, releasing documents and spilling the beans on Roswell and UFOs in general? Like, how well, close do you really think he was? Yeah. Well, listen, one of, the, one of the stories that I've heard about the need, the essential call to kill President Kennedy on November 22, 1963, was to kill him before he got to the trademark. Because there is, let's call it a rumor, that he was planning to switch his speeches at the trademark and insert a speech that would reveal the Roswell crash and the existence of extraterrestrials, that he was going to go, you know, lone wolf and do this on his own. And uh, I tend to believe it myself. And uh, Dallas is a big part of the cover-up of Roswell. Because the Roswell material went from Roswell to Fort Worth, which is mm. basically, you know, Dallas. Right, and, yeah. then, and then on to Wright-Patterson uh, Air Force Base. But Kennedy had a very early knowledge of the Roswell crash, as evidenced by the, the report, the Interplanetary Phenomenon Unit report, specifically cites him toward the end. I think it's point eleven. Uh, or possibly point fourteen, but it makes note in a very interesting manner. It makes note we have discovered that uh, Congressman John F. Kennedy, of Massachusetts, has learned of uh, these events. That he was briefed on a flight between Boston and Washington by a staff member of the Secretary of the Air Force. A uh, little one sentence, you know, and he. It also makes mention, actually, specifically makes mention that President Kennedy 
is the son of Joseph P. Kennedy, who is part of the President's uh, Committee for the Reorganization of the Government. Now that is really something, and leads us to another part of the JFK assassination, which was the revenge. There was a lot of vengeance being played out in the Kennedy assassination. There was the vengeance of Lyndon Johnson against John F. Kennedy to get rid of him as a rival and to keep himself from going to jail. But the organizers who wanted John F. Kennedy dead really were lifelong enemies of Joseph P. Kennedy, mm -hmm. who tried to warn Eisenhower in 1952. When Eisenhower became president, Joseph P. Kennedy said, get rid of the Dulles brothers and sister. There were three of them. Get rid of them. They are Nazis. I helped to prosecute them in, during the war because they violated the Trading with the Enemies Act. The Dulles brothers were part of a consortium of bankers who facilitated the rise of Hitler. They made a lot of money supporting Hitler. Well, they also the, started the CIA. Of course. Well, the CIA started uh, in Hitler's, uh, in Hitler's uh, conference room. It was called the Middleworks. The CIA, what we call CIA, is called CIA not because, uh, to be mysterious, you know, why do we, like, let me put it this way. We have the United States Air Force, the United States Navy, we have the United States Army. And right. then we have NASA and the CIA. Now, why are they not called U.S. Space Agency or the uh, United States Intelligence Agency? I'll tell you specifically why. The contract that the paperclip Nazis signed with the U.S. Army specifically cited that they could not work for any organization that had right. a national title. Right. And that they could only work um, for a a non-nationalistic entity because if they were to work for the U.S. intelligence agency or the U.S. space agency, they would be considered traitors. And they use the word quislings. Quisling, Q-U-I-S-L-I-N-G, was the name of a Norwegian trader who, who betrayed Norway during World War II. His name was Victor, uh, Victor Quisling. And he took over and became the, uh, the local Hitler, you know, the, rep, the puppet. So the word quizzling is like Benedict Arnold. So this is, I'm quoting to you the contract that Reinhard Galen, who was the head of the intelligence apparatus, cites in his autobiography. And in that, he has got six points of the contract. One of wow. them is, and oh, listen to this, listen to this. If ever the interests of Germany and the United States should deviate, it is understood that our loyalty go, is with Germany. Wait, this is in the paperclip documents? This is in the autobiography of Reinhard Galen. Okay. Which tells his own story of his capture, of his decision to approach his senior officer in the, in the prisoner of war camp to make a deal with the Americans to prevent them from being taken over or being turned over to the Russians. Mm -hmm. Because Russians did not negotiate with Nazis, especially after what they'd done in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, etc. It's you know, you know what I mean. They, they were merciless. You know what? 
Here's something that's very interesting. If you if you study the James Bond novels, and they should be studied, not read, you have an organization called Spectre. You have another one called Smirsh. Mm-hmm. And people think that they're both um, kind of like uh, fictional organizations, but in reality, they they both exist. And Smirsh is real. Smirsh is one word of the the Russian uh, <laughs> the Russian name for their anti-spy uh, organization uh, is Smirsh Spionin. And the name literally means death to spies. So you would hear, who's there? Smear Spionin, death to spies. You know? Mm-hmm. It was sort of clear, pretty clear cut uh, message. But I'm wondering, I've got to ask a question, by the way. I'm wondering sure. if any of this stuff that we're talking about here is covered in that new Fleming series, The Man Who Would Be Bond. I don't know the series. Uh, perhaps you can tell me a little bit about that. It's airing, it's airing on cable now. Um, I don't remember what channel I saw it on, but I'm going to Google it. Isn't the Internet a wonderful thing? I'm sorry for inter- interrupting. I love Google. Love Google. This is an interesting point. Uh, it's, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. Well, as you Google, Alan, as you Google, just remember... Um, BBC. The, the Go- Good. The Google machine is making a record that that's what you're interested in. And for anybody who's an editor, and Robert, you know what I'm talking about. Every time you have to edit a story, you have to Google stuff. And the yeah. Google machine is going to think that you're into all this weird stuff um, yeah. when they come and Guilty. collect you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, you have incognito mode as well as VPNs. <laughs> I don't know, but do you really believe in, in stuff like that? No. <laughs> yeah, Nancy, I want to say to you, I'm I'm very cognizant of that, and I'm very grateful for it because I have had a series of uh, revelations as a result of that uh, algorithm that has led me to the point where I'm about to uh, I may write an essay that's called uh, "Is God Working Through Google?" Yeah, interesting. Because, <laughs> I'm really serious because listen, you know my background in the JFK assassination. You know okay, there they, I am. Okay, so listen. I exposed the doctoring of the Zapruder film 20-something 20, 20 years ago, 22 right. years ago. I've yep. worked for years on uh, reconstructing what really happened. Mm-hmm. And on the night of November 22nd, uh, 2013, I'm, I had an interview. I had, Angel had me interviewed that week. I, w- I was doing interviews up the kazoo, as we say. Yeah. At <laughs> night. At 7 o'clock, I had an interview on Far Out Radio with Scott Peters, and then I had mm-hmm. to wait for Coast to Coast at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. It turned into like a 22-hour day for me. So while I'm waiting for uh, George Nury and Coast to Coast, I'm, you know, I'm Googling around, and you know, I want to stay sharp on everything. And all of a sudden, as I'm looking for something, over there in the corner, something appears, one of those little thumbnails in, in YouTube, for example. It just mm-hmm. offered me something, and it said... Uh, untampered Zapruder film or undamaged Zapruder film. And I said, what? Give me a break. And it looked damaged. You know, the icon, the little thumbnail looks scratched. And I said, how can they say that's undamaged? So I click it on and I start going through it. And what it turned out to be was a working copy 
of the doctoring of the Zapruder film, an early mm. version. Well, wait, how did you find that? How did it come to you? Google gave it to me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Google knows Robert Morningstar is interested in JFK assassinations, Zapruder film, Jack Ruby, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. They say, oh, well, maybe he'd like this tonight. Well, that's what it does, you know? It looks at well, everything. Was this, was this around the time of the Snowden uh, release of information? No, this is November twenty second, twenty thirteen, on the on the fiftieth anniversary. Wow. Of yeah. That's well, there's there, there's a whole lot of stuff on Kennedy, and the the whole subject right. is, was really hot. Well, listen to this. That time period. So. so what falls into my lap? Google laid in my lap a version of the Zapruder film that was an early version of the working copy. Which what I mean by that is they had to go through doctoring, cutting, editing, revision piece by piece, section by section, from beginning to end, to Dr. There's a Fruit of Film. So what I stumbled upon is a working copy where they had worked up the first part and edited that. They were up to the part where the car crosses the sign and the tree in the background. You can actually see the tree disappear. They were trying a couple of different ways of doctoring that particular <laughs> junction of the film because at that junction... Where the car passes the sign, in reality, it looks like it just kept going. In right. reality, the car stopped, pulled over to the curb. Yeah. Kennedy got shot. He stood up in the car, and then he got shot and fell back into the seat again. So that's what the eyewitnesses, Bill and Gail Newman, saw and described that night. And I interviewed Mr. Newman on the 35th anniversary. On November 22nd, 1998, I, I interviewed him. And he told me word for word the story, and I explained to him how the Zapruder film had been doctored. But he insisted that when he saw President Kennedy shot, he said, it tore his ear right off, you know? Mm. I said, you know? So it was yeah. death, what he was describing. So I said to him, I think that was an optical illusion. There were two shots, so and so on. And then, you know, we're part of company, really good friends. So here I'm looking at this thing that Google laid on my lap, I see really doctored up. The beginning is obvious. And then I see, oh, my God, the missing frames of the Zapruder film. They're here. Oh, Lord. The most, the most slandered and libeled person in Dealey Plaza, my friends, is Jackie Kennedy. The doctoring of the Zapruder film makes it look like she panicked. Mm -hmm. Yes. For her life. Yes. Like she got Ejected out of the back seat by yes. James Bond's ejection seat. Yes. That is the biggest lie of the entire Okay, so what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Jackie was sitting all the way on the left side. Jack was all the way on the right side with a lot of space between them. When Jack Kennedy was shot in the back, first shot, he said, oh my God, I've been hit. And... He, the Secret Service men say this, okay? This is where this is coming from. The two Secret Service men in the front seats heard President Kennedy say, oh, my God, I've been shot. Arlen Specter tried to debunk them and say he couldn't have said that because the first shot was a throat shot and he couldn't have spoken. He said it was mm -hmm. President Kennedy. He said, oh, no, no, let's see, it was a throat shot. He couldn't have spoken anything. He said it was President Kennedy. He said, how can you be so sure? And he said... He said it with a Boston accent, and that shut up our inspector. Okay? They didn't want to go any farther in that direction. So he got shot in the back, 
and he stood up in the car. What, what, what did you think would happen to somebody, especially a veteran? You know, like President Kennedy was a veteran, had been in war, in, in battle, in World War II. So he stood up. He said, oh, my God, I've been shot. And then the car went going. He fell back into the seat. He was shot in the throat at close range, right there behind the sign. And if you look at the Zapruder film, you'll see President Kennedy's hands in the first frame when he emerges from behind the sign. His hands are on his ribs on his lower body, and then suddenly they go up to his throat because it was a back shot, a throat shot. He started gagging. He starts coughing. Jackie hears these awful sounds, as she said in the, in the report. I heard these awful gurgling sounds. I turned and I saw Jack. <clears throat> okay, this is what's cut out of his approval film. Jack, Jackie slides over in the seat from the far left and crosses that space. She puts her arm around Jack's shoulders and very tenderly, like, Jack, what's wrong? She's looking because he's just choking. She doesn't know. She thought it was a motorcycle backfire. She heard noise. She said she thought it was a motorcycle backfire. So as she's saying, Jack, Jack, what's wrong? He goes from holding his throat to a position where somebody plugged him on the side of the head and he put his hand to his head. As she said, he put his hand to his head as if saying, Oh, I have a headache. At that moment, two shots rang out from the region of the grassy knoll, one from the picket fence and one from the concrete porch. I heard as many as seven shots were were Uh, heard. Is that correct? Right. Right. I'm not talking about the ones that missed. Right. Okay? Okay. Um, And uh, before I go on, all right, she has sidled over. She's tenderly asking Jack what's wrong. The car's moving down slowly. The car never went more than 11.2 miles an hour. The film Correct. makes it look like it was going 35 and never stopped. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Totally bogus. Totally bogus. And um, so at frame Z295, all the, Zapru- all the Zapruder film has a number from 1 to 489. At Z295, a shot was fired from the county records building, which clipped President Kennedy off the top of the head, bounced off, and went through Governor Connolly. It was a billiard ball, billiard shot. The magic so this magic was, bullet bouncing around theory yes, sort of yes. has credibility? No, huh. no credibility at all, because that one's impossible. What okay, I'm just checking. It's just like a little deflection, a ricochet, as we call it. Okay, ah, the va- okay. the yeah. vapor trail was captured in the film. This is my first contribution to the JFK assassination. I discovered vapor trails in the films, but nobody, nobody thought to look for them because very few people know this phenomenon exists. But I've known it since I was an infant. I was three years old when my grandfather took me out in the back of his, his farm and he, had a, he was going to shoot an animal for, for dinner. So he put me aside 10 feet away and said, watch this, stay there. He knew I'd never seen a rifle took the rifle, ended at the animal. Bang! What I saw, and I remember to this day, I saw a white stick come out of the rifle and hit the animal and kill it. Hmm. A white stick. So was that apparent? What happened is my eye, as a baby, saw this phenomenon that's Mm -hmm. called a condensation trail. When the atmosphere is a particular... Uh, temperature and humidity. Hot, for example, a hot, humid atmosphere full of uh, moisture in the air. The bullet is fired. It 
traverses supersonically, in its wake, it leaves a vacuum. And in that vacuum, the, the air pressure drops very quickly and cools as well. And it, when the air pressure drops, all of the moisture that's in the air but invisible coagulates and leaves a condensation trail, a vapor trail, that lingers for uh, a second of time or maybe longer, uh, depending on wind conditions and uh, the actual relative humidity. And it shows so up this, on film, you say? Well, I said to myself, you know, I, I saw it with my eyes. I wonder if it's possible. It actually, the, thought, the, the theory evolved from my, my reading a Scientific American about infrared videography, which had just come out in 1992, U.S. Air Force, in a project uh, executed at uh, their Rome Laboratories, they developed thermal imaging, infrared videography. And I was reading this on the way to a lecture by Zachary Sklar, the screenwriter of JFK. And I arrive and I hear his lecture and I'd seen the movie and I was really impressed. And I had also seen something in the movie subliminally that I thought was looked to me like a lightning bolt as the film played. So I went back to see the film again and I realized that what I thought was a lightning bolt in the first flash that I picked up subliminally peripherally, when I was really looking at it, I found a vapor trail that I'm talking to you about right now mm. at, at Z295. But uh, Okay, so the trail was going... But where, who, who shot the, 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 the... That question, who shot? I can't tell you who shot it, but I can tell you from where there they shot it. There was a trail there and where they came, where it came from. I know, but which, I mean, was it coming from the book disp depository? Yeah, no, can you no. determine the angle? Exactly. Well, that's going to be tough. Uh, maybe the grassy knoll? Listen, no, no. I, I worked very closely, and I want to give my thanks to uh, Dr. Gary Null, who's the first person who heard about all this. He came to my house in 1992, and I laid it out for him on a 27-inch screen. I, I disassembled the Sapruder film and all the optical illusions and talked about this vapor trail discovery. And so... But what had led me to it was my my hypothesis that with the infrared videography that the Air Force had developed, we might be able to sh view the Zapruder film, shoot it into this infrared videography recorder, and it might rec record uh, trails of heat left by the bullets. Now, this mm -hmm. is not vapor trails. I'm talking mm -hmm. about... The, the heat of the bullet traversing the space, it's, it's hotter than the surrounding space. And I felt that the lens would, just like you, if you ever played as a kid right, with lighting a piece of paper with a magnifying glass, I hypothesized that the bullet's heat traversing the camera would record the heat and the molecules on the film would, would be, let's say, more viscous, or, uh, a little farther apart than on the part that's cooler. So anyway, that was the theory. Lo and behold, I get a, I get a good copy of the Zapruder film uh, from hard copy TV show, CBS. They showed the best copy that it ever, had ever been shown, and I happened to record it. And there I saw this little speck, you know, and I said to my friend, look at that, you know. But it was so small in the version that I had that I said, you know, I think that's it, but I wouldn't go before anybody and try to argue that. I, 
So then I go and see the JFK movie, uh, uh, Oliver Stone's film, and there it is, you know, plain as day. And the reason was Oliver Stone got the Zapruder film, he put it into a Cray supercomputer. Mm-hmm. And the, the Cray supercomputer bumped it up to 70 millimeter, and that's why we can see such a spectacle in his film. You're never going to see a more accurate depiction of the assassination of President Kennedy than, than in the movie JFK, no matter what the critics tell you. He's got it down right to badge man on the grassy knoll. But here's where, where, where it's a little off. Everyone assumes it was one shot from the grassy knoll. Wrong. Right. There's two shots from the grassy knoll area, one from the picket fence and one from the concrete porch. The concrete porch shot the French, the French assassin. Mm-hmm. He fired first, uh, a half a second before. That shot came from the above and the right, and it opened up the right side of President Kennedy's head. Now, folks, this is the only scenario that fully explains all of the wounds, explains what was seen at the at, uh, Parkland Hospital, explains why the wounds had to be changed to force true the single gunman theory. Here's what happened. Jackie sidled over. Jack was wrong. At Z-295, a bullet knocked, just tapped. It was like that, topped the side of his head, and bounced and hit Connolly. One second later, exactly at Z313, and you can see the copper trail of this shot. The first shot, when President Kennedy's head explodes, if you look closely at that frame, Z313, you will see a very straight line that alternates in solid copper, light copper, solid copper color, and it's coming diagonally from above and the right. That was the first shot. Now, here is where they cut the film. You see... The Zapruder film as shot by Zapruder and the other versions that have been shot showed the real event. The real event showed at least five shots hitting President Kennedy. Right. Some from the back, some from the front, from street level, two from the front. But they had to force true the single gunman theory. So they had to take a film that showed five shots hitting and make it two shots that did all the damage. So what do you do? Right. Well, you cut all the time in between the arrival of the, the different shots. Right. So mm-hmm. they cut out the shot in the back so you don't see President Kennedy stand up. How do I know President Kennedy stand up, stood up? I heard Bill Newman and his wife, Gail Newman, those are the people that you see holding the child and throwing themselves on the grass, laid out, very famous people. On the night it happened, they said what, tell, they told me what I'm telling you. We saw the president coming down limousine. Then uh, we heard what we thought was a firecracker, and he spilled it up in the car, and I thought he was going along with a gag or something. Mm. And then he goes on. That's the first shot. That's over there by the sign. Now, who corroborates this? Well, the wife says the same thing. Who else corroborates it? Zapruder. Zapruder testifies to the Warren Commission and says, well, I was taking a video, uh, the film of the president coming down, and then when he got behind the sign, I saw his head. And the specter says, wait, wait, you can't. No, he couldn't have seen his head. His, he, was, he was obstructed by the sign. He said, no, I saw his head above the sign. He said, but that's not possible. He said, <laughs> the guy is arguing with the man who took the movie, you know? Mm. And he, he's another thing. Zapruder very explicitly 
tells the Warren Commission that he was shooting the film in slow motion. Hmm. He says, I was shooting the film at 24 frames per second. And they said, no, no, the FBI tested your camera, and they said it was at 18 frames per second. And Zapruder says, no, I was shooting at 24. And he said, no, the FBI took the test, and it's 18 frames per second. And Zapruder was smart enough to just shut up, okay? Mm. Right. <laughs> That's why he was alive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, God only knows what would have happened to him if he actually... Oh, man. That so happens that I know so much about this because in 1963, I was very, we were all bummed out in 1963 about the death of President Kennedy, especially me, childhood hero and all that, you know, sea cadets. Uh, you don't know what Kennedy was. I mean, you guys do. You were alive, but the other people who weren't around don't know. Anyway, I was my around. father says to me, what do you want for Christmas? And I said... You know, Dad, I have my, my 8 millimeter camera, the Yashica, with the three three lenses is getting all light. I'd really love to have a Bell & Howell electronic iMovie camera. And if you'll get it for me, I'll work it off and I'll help pay for it. You know, you know, one of those deals, like, you know, you be the good boy, do your chores, and we'll get it for you. You know what I mean? So I did that. And I happened to have a Bell & Howell electronic guy through the lens reflex movie camera. And this is the secret of that camera. Hmm. The camera was the most advanced movie camera, 8-millimeter movie camera the world has ever had ever seen. It is like a jewel. And one of the most amazing things about it is it had three speeds. It had a single frame. If you push the trigger hmm. up, it's single frame, then you could do animation. Wow. If you press the trigger normally, it shot at 18 frames per second. And if you press the trigger really hard, the thing would go, and your film would be gone in, in, in no time because the thing would race in there three times, three times fast, uh, one-third faster. And that's how slow motion was made. So Zapruder tells the Warren Commission, I was shooting that film in slow motion. And they said, no, you weren't. And he said, yes, I was. He said, the FBI says you weren't. He says, yes, I was. But the FBI says you weren't. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. Okay. Well. Let's talk about the head popping up. I mean, you know, I really ridicule these. I ridicule Arlen Specter, Gerald Ford. They are criminals. They are yeah, but they were all really well paid off. I mean, they all had great careers. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, sure, they did. But regardless, I, I disdain them, honestly. As Gerald Ford wrote a note to the Warren Commissioners suggesting that the back wound, which was between the shoulder blades and low, near the third and fourth thoracic vertebra, to be raised eight inches to the region of the neck so that it was uh, made to appear to go through the trapezius muscle in order to force through the magic bullet theory, which he and Arlen Specter concocted. Oh, you know, they caught him. He, they found the note, and an AP reporter called me in 1990, 1998 and said, Mr. Morningstar, we got your name from Zachary Sklar, and uh, he said that you're an expert in, in this, and he doesn't understand this note. We found this note in the archives. Can you ex tell me why? What do you think? I said, read me the note. He said, and he read me Gerald Ford's note. I recommend that the, wound, the side of the wound be moved up a few inches to the region of the neck. And what he was talking about was this. No, no, nobody 
other than Arlen Specter got to see the autopsy photographs, and he claims for reverse so briefly because they're so disgusting. Yep. So what the presented to the Warren commissioners were drawings of the wounds mm-hmm. for them. Well, were the original documents of the autopsy actually thrown away? And they were burned. Upon the orders of Admiral Berkeley, they were burned. Yep. So well, they have found recently that the in a in a an X-ray of uh, a more advanced X-ray of the skull, you can see the whole patchwork of plaster where they pretended mm. he still had a skull. Yeah. Yep. Let me tell you something about this. That. Listen, I I I am such a fortunate man. You're talking to a person who has spoken to all these people. I've spoken to two of the men that handled the body at Bethesda. Hmm. Dennis David, Commander Dennis David, he was in charge of the corpsman that handled the body and prepared it for the the autopsy. And uh, Paul O'Connor, whom I met that same day that I met Mr. Newman in 1998, and I spent an hour and a half with him. And he told me that one of the things that truly outraged him was that the following morning, at 11.30 in the morning at Bethesda Naval Hospital, he found Admiral Berkeley, the president's personal physician, composing x-rays with the skull fragments and bullets that he was putting in different positions to take different x-rays. You understand what I'm talking about? Wow. The corpsman, and he, listen, this man was dying of cancer, and he was so angry, and he was so happy to unload all of this. Wait, say it again. He said, he said, uh, he said that one of the things, he said it, it, it made me mad as hell, that the next morning, the autopsy happened starting around 8 o'clock at night on right. November 12th. And it went mm-hmm. for about five hours, and they took the body and sent it to the mortician, and so on and so on. So he had worked to prepare the body and then move them out, right? right. The next morning, Saturday morning, he said at 11, 11.30 in the morning, he went to the x ray room and he found Admiral Berkeley composing fake x rays, huh. juxtaposing bullet fragments and skull fragments right. and composing what he obviously realized were faked x-rays. Anyway, that's that's how deep this is. And you know what? These secrets that these men have been forced to keep made them sick for most of their lives. And there's there's been a great relief every time that I've interviewed someone. And I I have a very... I don't have an aggressive way of interviewing a person, you know? I listen to what they say, I ask the next logical question, and that's how it happens. And since people trust me, you know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't screw people, I don't ridicule them, and um, they get confidence in me, and they reveal things to, like this to me. Paul O'Connor said to me, he said, you know that thing in the Warren Commission autopsy about a Y incision? I said, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. He said, that's total bullshit. I said, what? He said, there was no Y incision. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to the audience what a Y incision is. It's an autopsy incision, a cut into the body Correct. that goes from the shoulder to the solar plexus, shoulder to the solar plexus, and down the middle of the body, and so it looks like a Y. Mm-hmm. They call it a, a Y incision. He said, there was no Y incision. You want to know what happened? He said, we brought that body in, 
we took an electric saw mm. and we opened it up and we, we started up here and he pointed to his left hip bone and he said we started right here above the hip bone and we went right up the side and we cut right through the damn ribs and we went across the clavicle and mm. then we went down the right side the same way to about the same spot and then we pulled the whole thing back like a goddamn horse blanket but why? But why? Why would well, you? Well, to make sure they couldn't track how many bullet holes he had and where they came from, and and track how many. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where they did it. Well, because it's really unprofessional and and destroying. Well, you're, talk, you're talking about a cover up here, Nate. Hey, moral, criminal—it's <laughs> all of those things. But listen yeah. to this, <laughs> yeah, folks. Let's be good. Let's be good detectives here. I just told you that the man who opened the body said there was no Y incision, and I just right. quoted to you the Warren Commission that says there was a Y incision. So what's the answer? Right. Tell Who's me. lying? Who's telling the truth? In fact, speaking okay. of which... they're both telling the truth? That's the key. That Nobody could be. Yeah. ever asked that question before I did. I said to myself, what if everybody's telling the truth? What if the Parkland doctors are telling the truth about the wounds they saw and what they did to the, the throat and it's not what they saw right. in the pictures? And what if the doctors at Bethesda are telling the truth about what they saw? I said, what's the answer? They're all telling the truth. Oh, We're there's more than one body, body then. We're dealing no, with no. bodies. No. Just one yeah. body, but the body was tampered with after the, the initial no. autopsy. No. Yes, that's partly true. Yeah. In, in fact, Robert, let me ask you, have you seen the movie Parkland that came out this past year? Have you seen that film? I didn't hear that last question. Oh, um, have you seen the movie Parkland, which is based on the actual events at the hospital? Yeah, I didn't uh, go because it's based on Vincent Bugliosi's uh, bogus book, and uh, I uh, won't support that. You know, I know. See, a friend of mine wrote to me recently and said to me, Robert, I've read this wonderful book. The author studied the Kennedy assassination really well. He's written this fiction, and this fiction is really good, and he puts a lot of things in context, and it's answered a lot of questions for me. Uh, I think you should read it. I wrote back, Dear so-and-so, I never read or write <laughs> any fiction about the Kennedy assassination. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is too serious a subject, and the fictionalization and supposed leaking of true information through fictionalization is part of, part of the muddying of the water. I deal only with the facts. Now, I said to her, let me get this straight. You feel comfortable now because you've read a piece of fiction that has uh, answered some questions for you, and you feel comfortable that this piece of fiction is uh, more uh, satisfying than the fiction that the government gave you that Oswald did it and the, and the optical illusions and mass hallucination of the Zapruder film with, which fooled you for 30 years before I revealed it to you? Is that satisfying? Well, I don't think so. Well, Robert, let me ask you, what, what do you think Oswald's involvement really was in the assassination? Was he just a patsy set up? I mean, did he have yeah. a further involvement? Was he involved with the the entire conspiracy from the beginning? I mean, And did he land a shot at all? It, he exactly. Did he even take a shot? Did he even take a shot? His picture, you can see his picture watching as President Kennedy is shot in the throat. There's a photo what? called the Alkins photo. And if you look at where the Secret Service men are looking, they're looking at the vestibule of the Texas School Book Depository. On the far left side of that picture, in the vestibule, 
is Lee Harvey Oswald looking at events going on. And that's when he was having his lunch, wasn't it, basically? That's exactly so. He was having yep. his lunch. He went, took a peek, and Alkins, a very famous, uh, I believe, uh, Associated Press photographer, captured it. Now, people argue that it's other, this other fellow, Billy Lovelady. Now, my friend Roy Schaefer and I have done years and years of work on, on all of these aspects, especially photographic evidence and analyzing photographic evidence to show that it's been tampered or that it's uh, authentic because, you know, it's really a very unusual, um, it's an unusual mix. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Robert, Robert let, me, let me ask you a quick question, though. Why Oswald? I mean, why, they, why was he picked? Because it seemed like they really found somebody immediately after the president was shot. Why him? He was one of several. He was one of uh, many per, uh, prospective patsies. I met another one in, in uh, Dallas. His name is Jerry Patrick Hemmings. He was a Navy SEAL. And his story is he feels that he was being set up to be a possible uh, patsy. There's another one, Richard Case Nagel, who was a federal, a federal officer. He figured out, oh, my God, it looks like Kennedy's going to be killed, and they're setting me up. You well, know why did this? these guys think that? Well, I mean, what? what? Yeah, what, 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 what would lead them to think that? Had to be something triggering them to think that. Right. Well, he like was training. He was investigating a lot of uh, things because, you know what, we had a lot of Snoopy agencies snooping on each other, and they were all there in the field, and different guys were finding out what was happening. And Richard Case Nagel discovered that somebody was setting him up as possibly a potential patsy for the assassination of President Kennedy that was days to come. So what no, wait, no, did, that's not the guy. Is that the man? Is, does he spell his last name N-O-V-E-L? No, 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 that's Gordon Novell. That's another, right. another fellow. No, no, Richard Case Nagel, N-A-G-E-L-L. Okay. Uh, uh, a man named uh, Russell wrote a book about it. But what he did to save himself is he went into a bank, he pulled out his gun, and he shot six shots or so into the ceiling to make sure that he got arrested. Wow. So that he would be in jail while President Kennedy was being killed. He was so certain that President Smart Kennedy... Smart man. Oh, yeah. It's a very... Um, the man, it's not the man who knew too much, but it's a title, something <laughs> like that. But, uh, so there. And, and, and wasn't had, the guy, wasn't the policeman who went to kill uh, Ruby? No, Oswald, wasn't he also? He went to kill right. him. He was, Remember I was talking about what's the answer? If there was a Y incision and there was a U incision, you know, like got the guy who cut the body open, he said that didn't happen. And we have the right. doctors. We opened the body and we made a Y incision. I said to you before, what's the answer? The only answer is we're dealing with two bodies. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned the Ooh. other body. Mm. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Got it. Tippet, Officer Tippett bore such a close resemblance to President Kennedy that mm. his friends on the Dallas Police Department used to rib him and joke and call him Jack and JFK. And that was not a nice thing to be called in 1963 in Dallas. Okay, so it, it must have gotten under his skin. They make up all these stories about, oh, you know, the hero Tippett. It took me a long time to unravel this thing. But when the realization came, I, I really went, and I'll tell you, none of the photographs that you have seen showing a face purported to be President Kennedy, 
is President Kennedy. That man is Officer J.D. Tippett. And it's his body that was doctored and altered and made up. Yes, you see all the photos so you can see. Even the, even the FBI men. And I listen, I want to say some good things about the FBI. Because, you know, Hoover was a pervert. Well, they're not the CIA. That's the first thing you can say. Let me stay on the FBI because the information, the good information about the assassination of President Kennedy and uh, what really happened that I've gleaned came from the field reports of FBI agents who really did their jobs, and they did them very well. Like Vincent Drain and Arthur Carter did the tippet uh, material. They wrote an excellent report. Robert, um, Robert uh, Siebert and O'Neill, Francis O'Neill and Robert Siebert, they were with the body in Parkland. They saw what happened there. They saw the body in Bethesda. They said it looks like surgery has been done specifically to the top of the head. Those men all did their jobs, and that's why I can sit here and tell you if those FBI men had not done their jobs, if they had not been honest and you know, moral, ethical people, we'd really be lost. What happened is all of this information is compartmentalized. Nobody else knew it. No sideways information. So it all went to Hoover. So Hoover, best friend of Lyndon Johnson, manipulated the information, excluded pertinent information, changed other uh, information like uh, witness testimonies. So really, Hoover is the villain. But I have to say, the FBI men in field, they did their jobs, and, and I'm grateful to them. Also, Secret Service men who told the truth about what they saw. You know, the um, Glenn Bennett. Glenn Bennett was on the second car. He looked, and he saw that bullet that I described to you, the Z-295 shot. He describes it perfectly. He said, I saw a, bill, a bullet hit high, high right, off the top of his head. And that's why... Clint Hill was running. They tried to make Clint Hill the hero. He wasn't. Jackie Kennedy was the hero. That's what I'm telling you, folks. She is the most slandered. She is, because I've never forgotten that image of she's trying to she's trying to save her own skin. Ugh, yeah. ugh, ugh, ugh. She's trying to pick up his picture. brain. The film, oh, the come film on. is so persuasive. The film is so wait, wait, wait. Where's that picture from that you guys just sent? Oh, yeah, we posted a picture here, and I'm going to post it in the uh, chat. It's no, don't of, uh, do that. Don't do that. Give a warning first. It's, it's the autopsy of uh, President Kennedy's, one of the autopsy photos. It can't uh, be. That's yeah. what we're talking about here, the, the autopsy picture, which is not John F., John F. Kennedy, even though it's being passed around as an actual autopsy picture of the well, president. Well, where in did fact, you get that? Where did it, you it, get Google. In fact, <laughs> in, in fact, real quick, Robert, I'm also looking at another photo, which is a split image. I also put that in the chat there. Oh, yeah, that's Skype. my composition. That's right. my composition. I, I did that, uh, you exactly, know, I yeah. first thousand words, right? Yeah. And for, <laughs> so that's it. I, that picture is one half is President Kennedy and the other half is Officer J.D. Tippett. That icky picture that we just looked at is two parts, you say? I don't want to look at it again, but uh no, there's a, a there's a second link that actually has the uh, the tippet uh, composition with his face and Kennedy's face uh, mirrored image and uh, wow. both of them. And I, I'll tell you what, the, it's a, definitely a strikingly uh, striking resemblance, uh, Robert. Uh, I mean, no kidding, they definitely did look alike. 
Now, remember what the FBI men said? Mm-hmm. They, we saw that there, uh, obviously surgery had been uh, performed specifically to the top of the head. Remember that? Yeah. And I just quoted it a few minutes ago. Yeah. Okay. Look at that picture, and you'll see a very di- interesting uh, thing, a difference. in. They look like twins from the brow down. Tippett had dark hair, and he had a, a balding, receding hairline. Right, yep. That hairline had to be altered. And that's where the surgery came in. For the person in the picture, they had to cover up the bald spot. So what they did is they reflected the scalp up and back and made it look like a bullet. They tried, the whole thing is made, uh, intended to make you believe that a bullet came from behind and went out the front. But that man, let me tell you, Nancy, how I figured this out. I was. I read in the New York Times that Tippett had been shot in the eye, and for that reason, he had been buried in a steel coffin and not right, even. Right, 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 right. Okay. But in 1992, somebody asked me how was Tippett shot, and I said, "Oh, you know, uh, he was shot in the eye." But I had a book, Jim Bishop's book, right at my hand. That when I, you know, I had a whole collection of them because I really got into the case. So I picked it up and I said, "Let me figure. Let me see for sure." I look up Tippett in Jim Bishop's The Day Kennedy Was Shot. I go to page so 97, I believe it was. I turn it. Tippett was shot. He was shot three times in the torso. The assailant walked over to him, the dying policeman, and he knelt down and put the gun to his temple, and he fired a shot into his right temple that hit the back of his head but did not exit. And I said to myself, this is impossible. It is not possible for Oswald to have shot President Kennedy with a rifle and put a bullet in the back of the top of his head, and it came out of his temple. And then 45 minutes later, he shoots a cop, puts the bullet in the temple, and hits the back of the head. I always said, wait a second, this is the answer to a mystery. And what I thought I had found was that, oh, obviously, they swapped the brains. So they were able to take Tippett's brain, which had been shot by one bullet through the head, present it to the autopsy and say, what do you think, Doc? He says, well, we can't tell which way the bullet was going, but obviously one bullet traversed through this head. You know, you know that's what really happened. The specimen that's described in the Warren Commission report has, um, has parts of the brain that couldn't possibly be there. And they're described intact. So that's why I figured out this is the answer to this mystery. They stole Tippett's brain. They used it for the autopsy because that brain proved... Okay, now did Tippett... Okay, so uh, did you research Tippett up to the time he got shot? Was he in on this? Was he a patsy? Yes, yes, he was. Tippett was a rogue cop. And he was the best friend of Jack Ruby. I met Jean Hill, the lady in red. Have you heard of her? She's in the Supreme Yeah, the oh, best yeah. friend of yep. Ruby? Pardon me? You she say he was friend? the best friend? Yeah. Fr- no, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ruby, see, Nancy, you know that 18 people or more were killed in two years after the... Oh, I know the- that. That's why I'm fearful for what you're saying. <laughs> they still they okay. still go Even after people. Even listening can get us killed at this point, the way things are. I know. In fact, uh, we're going to get killed if we don't hit a break here in a second. Let's go to a quick commercial break. We're going to come back, and uh, hopefully 
hopefully take some of your calls on the other side of the break. So please call in if you're interested in uh, talking about the uh, JFK assassination, 786-245-8127. We'll be back on Skywatchers Radio, on the Dark Matter Radio Network, and on PSN Radio. Stick around. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom-built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now, 954 970 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Busy, busy me. So, anyway... Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. My friends keep commenting on my comment. Oh, there's another one. So many comments on my comment. Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs! Hey guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait. Mom, what? What? What'd you say? Wait a sec, what? This weekend. Unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing! Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow... Now follow you, and your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now, this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well, it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. Might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. 
You're listening to Dark Matter Radio Network. And we're back on Skywatchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, PSN Radio. Open lines for the rest of the hour. If you guys want to call in and get on the on the line here with us and talk to Robert Morningstar, please do so. You can call in at 786-245-8127. You can also look us up on Skype, PSN Radio on Skype, and, of course, Dark Matter Radio Network. You'll find us on either or, and if you find us in Dark Matter, I'm pretty sure that Keith Rowland will, will make it happen. He'll patch you right in, and you'll be able to join into the conversation. We'd love to hear some of his thoughts on the whole Kennedy assassination thing. It's it's a, an amazing uh, re- conspiracy, really, when you think about how long it's been going on and how many different uh, takes there's been on this uh, on this well, on this assassination. Well, basically, we as Americans want to know what happened to the victors, the guys who got away with this. How did they? How did? How Most of them were dead, probably by now. No, 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 no. But they must. Uh, they must still be in power. Most of them ended up pretty, pretty sadly. Um, Sam Giancana was intimately involved, and I, I believe I, I found pictures of Sam Giancana and Charles Nicoletti, his henchman, his bodyguard, and his assassin in Dealey Plaza talking to the uh, chief Will Fritz. Hmm. So Sam Giancana was the Chicago. So you have to understand there were at least three different factions, each of which could be, uh, well, two of which could be uh, exposed to protect the CIA. The whole assassination apparatus deals with something called the 5412 Committee, which was an assassination apparatus for executive action against Castro. This organization, this committee, within the National Security Agency involved the CIA, the NSA, the Pentagon, the FBI, and and, uh, other uh, shadowy organizations. It was established in the 1950s in the Eisenhower administration to eliminate leftist uh, problem makers, you know, politicians as well as activists, and to clean up, uh, you know, clean up communism, particularly in uh, Central and South America. Castro becomes a big problem, and the, the, the focus of the 5412 committee is to get rid of Castro. Right. So this is where we have the Castro plot in the CIA, hatched in 1958. We just started with, you know, some guys musing, like, wouldn't it be great, you know, if the mafia killed Castro? Oh, yeah, that would be great. Cause, and really, you know, if they did and succeeded, the public would just say, great, you know, or like, well, sure, they have a big grudge against him. Right. The mafia, mafia did. You know, I believe that there's something called the treasure of Sierra Madre in Cuba. <laughs> I mm. believe... The stash of the mafia mm-hmm. is still there. They they poured billions of dollars into Cuba. Oh, it yeah. was yep. their hoard. And they didn't have time to take it out, right? Exactly. Castro came in yep. and said, you have three days to get out of Cuba, and all you can take is your suitcase. 
Your suit and well, your Angel suit. will know. If there's, a, if there's a treasure, Angel will know. He'll have a sense. Well, He'll have a psychic Angel, sense. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm Cuban doesn't mean I would know, Nancy. Well, Unfortunately, you would know, you would. I believe there's a hoard there. If, Cas- if Castro didn't find it out, that the, the, the mafia still has it, and that's one of the reasons that they still want to get it back. But be that well, as either it's a hoard or they actually just own real estate they really can't claim. Don't forget, they were going to build stacks and stacks of casinos and make it into a, you know, uh, they, they were going to make it into a Las Vegas of, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, of the islands. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we get to the point here where um, the 5412 committee is uh, daydreaming about the mafia killing Castro, and then somebody said, hey, you know, let's see if we can make that happen. So they contacted Robert Mayhew in Las Vegas. They knew he was a he was an up-and-up businessman with a lot of contacts with the mafia, which infested, you know, Las Vegas was a baby of the, of the Wait, mafia. Did you just say so a businessman that lives in Las Vegas and is on the up-and-up and deals with the mafia? Um, I'm sorry, I got to call oh. a paradox there. <laughs> hey, listen, Sorry. in the 1950s, and anyway, they did. And Howard Hughes was a big casino owner, and Robert Mayhew ran the show for him, and he That's had right, con- yeah. Johnny Roselli. So he goes to Johnny Roselli and said, you know, I have some friends in Washington who would like to talk to somebody about this problem that they have. You think we could talk to them? And he thought, oh, you know, it's very patriotic, and he thought he'd be protected. So he went along, and he talked to Sheffield Edwards. This was the this is an important name. Remember this name. Sheffield Edwards. It's a most unusual name. And the first time I read it was in the famous George Bush memo, the JFK George Bush memo from the uh, FBI. Yeah. What is that? Right. So George Bush, a George Bush CIA uh, agent, interviewed mm-hmm. Cubans along with somebody from the NSA named Sheffield Edwards. That name branded in my mind the moment I read it, okay, in that memo, and this is talking back in 1990. When I read Corso's book, uh, The Day After Roswell, Corso says, I discussed these topics with Sheffield Edwards, the number three man in UFOs at the CIA. Ta-da! Well, I might be able to help you because I've got boxes and boxes of stuff in the attic the background stuff from this from that book that we're just oh yeah well that's wonderful so I'm going to look for Sheffield Edwards look for Sheffield Edwards let me tell you more Sheffield Edwards is delegated to uh, to contact to make contact with Roselli and propose this this agreement and Roselli says you know this sounds good to me but I'm not big enough uh, I have to talk to Sam Giancana he's my boss. So he talks to Sam Giancana, and Sam says, and the, the, the U.S. government wants us to do this, and this might be good for us. You know, maybe they'll uh, look the other way. We do them a favor, they'll do us a favor. But you know what? The problem is this is in Miami. Cuba is in the Miami territory, and that's Santos mm-hmm. Traficante's tra- territory. But I'll talk to Santos Traficante. So he does, and then they set up this meeting on September 25th, 1958, Johnny Roselli, Santos Traficante, and uh, Sam Giancana met with Sheffield Edwards of the CIA, and $10,000 was given from the CIA to them to get the action going, which was kill Castro with poison cigars, 
Phil Castro with uh, radioactive uh, powder in some room where he's going to give a speech and kill Castro from a high building when he's speaking in a plaza. Unfortunately, none of that happened. Well, <laughs> they, and they busted. You know, they came very close. The plot of a high-powered rifle on the building, it came very close. The, the Cuban uh, KGB busted it just as they were setting up and Castro was uh, coming to the plaza. So anyway, when Kennedy started to delve too deeply into UFOs, he became a problem because the number one priority is keep that secret and keep mm. the military-industrial complex at the apex of power as the, uh, you know, the guardians of the gate of, the, of this extraterrestrial technology and applied to the defense and the national security of the United States. Kennedy knew about it since 1947, possibly even earlier. Further, yeah. I mean, what do you think is a bigger conspiracy, the, the Roswell crash or the Kennedy assassination at this point? Angel, it's only one conspiracy. It's, it's all, all one, one big conspiracy. It's all one thing. It's yeah. all one thing. And I'd like to talk a little bit about this issue about the Byrne Memo and MJ-12 and the book that I mentioned by Michael Sala. Mm. When the Byrne Memo came out, my eyes bugged out, you know, because everybody's saying, you know, we don't understand what this is about. It's really unusual. It's strange language. And I start reading now, wait, Which is the Byrne Memo? Which The Byrne Memo is the memo that was released by Dr. Robert Wood and uh, his son Ryan, where they found a carbon copy of a CIA memo discussing the problem of a person named Lancer being too inquisitive about UFOs. Interesting. Okay, and so here's the deal. In 1992, I acquired a copy of the Air Force One tapes of the flight from Dallas from the time of the assassination, all those radio communications with the airplane between U.S. Air Force and, and anybody else, FBI, CIA, with the airplane were recorded. And then the plane took off and flew to Washington, and I had that tape. And listening to that tape, I found out all these code names. There was Tiger and Watchman and Lancer and Lace and Volunteer. And as I investigated, uh, I was like, what is this old code? Like, who are these people? Wait, so say those I again. Found... So you said Tiger and Lancer and what else? Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Watchman. Watchman. Yeah, Tiger and Watchman were FBI agents. Lancer and Lace were John F. Kennedy and Jackie. Oh. And the very strange oh, one. Oh, I got you. So Lancer, too inquisitive, was JFK. JFK, correct, right. yeah. That's right. And so the memo goes on about he being too inquisitive. If he asks you questions, deflect it, redirect it, or just say no. I have to talk to somebody else. Now, if he persists in this behavior, he goes on to say that there may be cause for action on the, by the uh, 5412 committee. So here I am, you know, years and years and years, I studied the JFK assassination. You want to hear something funny? I studied UFOs longer than the JFK assassination, but in, in those early years in, in that field, I refused to talk about UFOs. And I remember mm. talking saying to my cousin, a naval aviator who was right, I said, I don't want to talk about UFOs. I'm 
this is too serious and people would ridicule me and so you know I believe it you know we've had our experiences but I don't want to really mix UFOs and JFK okay okay Mark I love my cousin he's great he was a US <laughs> navigator you know he's a brilliant guy he lives in Washington so anyway and look at you now that's where, that's where, where it stood and then all of a sudden in the course of my JFK assassination research I stumble upon JFK's mm. uh, connection to UFOs very early on. Uh, some people, you know the Special Operations uh, Manual, SOM mm-hmm. 101? Mm-hmm. Those, those came from, from somebody who took photographs of the manual, right? And mm-hmm. in some of those earliest pages, there's a thumb in the picture. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, Robert, Look at those pictures. Do you know whose thumb that is? I said, no. He said, yes. That's President Kennedy's thumb. He mm. took those pictures. Do you think Kennedy ever got to actually meet any aliens himself? Do you think he got that deep into it? You want to hear something really strange? Some of the people... We're dealing with religious fanatics in that uh, that group, you know? Right, with, yeah. With, nation groups, plural. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with religious fanatics, and some of them believe that John F. Kennedy may have been a hybrid, an E.T. They believe... <laughs> wow, that's a stretch right there. Yeah, you know, like the tall whites are, and, you know, <laughs> we, this this doesn't sound so strange to you today, because we know about the hybridization program, right. how long it's been operating in human history, and they do cultivate special people way ahead well, of time. I've heard um, in in one of the many interviews we've done in the last four years. I've heard, mm. somebody very recently said that if you are going to, what the government does believe now is that they're mixed in among our politicians, and we all laugh about that because we hate our politicians. But you know, some of the politicians don't even seem human. We could go there, but true. yeah, just throw that That's out very there. True. <laughs> well, you know what I say about uh, the Illuminati. You know that. Um, David Icke says they, that they're reptilians and they change into reptiles and do all kinds of things. I think I said to people, look, I don't want to go there, but I'm just going to say this. If the people act like reptiles, they are reptiles. Mm. You know? <laughs> well, we all have a reptilian side of our brain, and I think David Icke is a reptile. I think David Icke is a reptile himself, to be honest, but well, that's not here all, <laughs> We are all serpents at the core of the brain. Correct. The only thing that keeps the, that destructive force in check is the forebrain, the the forebrain, the conscience, and not necessarily the intellect. You know, we're, we're talking right now about evil on this planet, mm. and we used to have symbols and uh, symbols that represented, you know, devil, right. Lucifer, Satan, so and so, evil, evil incarnate, and uh, people say, oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, what's Lucifer? What is Satan? I said, oh, you want to know? It's, it's anti-human, first of all. Both aspects are anti-human. Right. And my definition of Lucifer is intellect without love. And my definition of Satan is passion without reason. When you have those combinations, you have evil. And there is a very, very great true. evil. It's a great mm-hmm. evil in our society, which is the worship of intelligence. Yeah? The, worship the worship of intelligence is evil? 
Yes, it is. Hmm. Because in Well, that doesn't make any sense. You lost me there, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The worship of intelligence for as an end in itself leads to evil. But if, but what if, what if they, what if the the Nazis, the Nazis are the best example of what I am telling you. I, I, I get what you're saying, ignorance and bliss, and when you get too intelligent, uh, cultures tend to overdevelop no, but, but and someone turn evil. The, the intelligence that creates the universe is God itself. Yes. Well, that's what we've, we've been told since, since birth, but there's no proof to that either. So, Yeah, God is love, not intelligence alone. Right. And that's where it deviates. Intelligence builds itself up and arrives at a point of such great pride that it thinks it has transcended morals and ethics. And that's the problem with these people who were overseeing these programs. They rationalized a higher good. Well, they they've rationalized the whole Alistair, Aliester Crowley. You know, the good is you know whatever you want it to be. You can do whatever you want. Well, I'm saying that this is this is the mentality of these people that they were beyond morality. They were beyond black and white. Mm. They they are part of something that I call gray morality, which is which is this this belief that there is no absolute good and no absolute evil. And this is a misconception that proceeds from Einstein's theory of relativity. The fallacy in that thinking, the, the relativity of morals, is that relativity theory applies to the physical universe, to physical particles and relationships between atoms, quarks, and these are physical things. Right. And to take that relative idea and apply it to the metaphysical, the non-physical, Oral, the ethical, the religious, is not true. It sounds right. good, but it's not true. And and uh, evil just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Michael Sala and I had a conversation in 2008 after the burnt memo came out, and I realized, holy mackerel, I know what this means. And everybody was saying, well, what does it mean? And I, Michael Sala and I were working together closely with this Navy disclosure program. We were, you know, being doing PR for the Navy initiative to disclose UFO reality to the American people, which they've been trying to do for 70 years against every effort of the United States Air Force, the United States Army, the Central Intelligence Agency. Well, um, a, a naval officer named Hoover uh, got in contact with us, and he oh. actually... Do you know who he is, George Hoover? I I may have heard something about him, but I didn't read anything that uh, you've... You may have put out. I haven't. Well, heard no. Anything. What happened was, well, it's weird because um, he became he he became sort of taken over with dementia after he basically dumped a bunch of stuff on us. But but and so he could never be interviewed after that. Um, hmm. And he was he he had in his he 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 gave us for a while the Varro edition. Do you know what what I'm talking about? The paperback that was left on a train. That was written in by um, the. I'm, trying, I'm zoning on the name of the paperback. Um, it was one of the old timey UFO books by Kehoe, let's say, or something. I heard something about that. There was a Jessup. Jessup. Copy, yes. Jessup's copy of what was the book? Uh, that yeah, was it was uh, UFOs and, are real or something. And Car- it, Carlos Allende. That's no, 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 no. This was different. This experiment was, type thing. It doesn't go to the Philadelphia, but all that is true. In other words, Hoover 
we had in our hands, Bill and I, that book. We ha- we had it in our possession for a while, the Jessup, the book with all the handwriting in it. And there was three colors of ink um, mm-hmm. because supposedly three different extraterrestrial uh, intelligences wrote their opinions of what was in that book. And, and we made a Xerox of it, thank God. Oh, I've got to see a copy of that. Yeah, okay. it's up at the attic. Again, um, long st- I'll take a picture of the stuff in the attic, and you'll see one. I've got many boxes of paperwork. Uh, well, we're short on time here, folks. Uh, we're about to uh, head out for the evening. So uh, real quick, okay. uh, just uh, I don't, I don't want to take too long here because I know uh, we're really, really short. So I want to give Robert here uh, a chance also to uh, plug any uh, special events he has coming up in the future. Robert, That went by uh, in, the, in this twinkling, guys. Don't kid. Okay. Robert, uh, where are you going to be at that we could uh, look, you know, look for? Okay, look forward, look to, forward sir, to a series of articles in uh, UFO Digest on Catherine Austin Fitz and the Navy Disclosure Program. Okay. Michael Sala has written a, really good articles about this, and uh, I'm re- republishing them. I recommend his book. As I said, I had a talk with him in uh, January of 2008, and I said, Michael, this is the most important document ever to come out. It mm-hmm. relates UFOs directly to President Kennedy's assassination. Lancer is JFK, Volunteer is Johnson, and uh, Precipitation in Washington is a mm-hmm. reference to quote wet works. Wet works means bloody yeah. deals. So Michael did a wonderful job. He's researched it, and there's a very, very interesting photograph. Uh, coincidentally, Michael sent me a book, and it just arrived today, and I've gone through it, and there's a wonderful picture in there. It's very moving. It's President Ken Kennedy standing before the grave of Secretary James Forrestal on May mm. 3rd, 1963. Mm. President Kennedy's birthday is May 29th. Mm. So on the following day, on Memorial Day, 1963, President Kennedy went to visit the grave of James Forrestal. Mm. And that is a topic for a whole other show. Robert, we'd have to have you back on here so we could actually talk about that. I'd love to have you back in the future here on Skywatchers. We uh, sadly are out of time, and I uh, want to thank everybody who's listening in. Uh, thank, of course, uh, our chief in charge, Mr. Keith Rowland. Uh, Nancy, thank you for joining us on the show You're here so for, uh, for Skywatchers and, and uh, being our first uh, host-to-host uh, here on the Dark Matter Radio yeah. Network and, of course, on PSN Radio. And uh, you, we'll be back next week, everybody, so please come back next week and listen live to Skywatchers Radio. Uh, there's more show coming up on both networks we have open minds on psn and we have epic voyages coming up after sky watchers right here on dark matter so stick around again we'll be back next week everybody have a wonderful night and stay safe Mm -hmm.